0: Thank you. You can be seated. Just look up, you know, instead of always looking down, just look up, child. Well, the men are at men's advance, and uh, that always takes a big chunk of people away, and I think they've been doing men things and having a good time there, growing spiritually and growing in their relationships with one another. And so we're looking forward to them coming back and having some energy about what has happened to them over this weekend. Well, this is a good time for you to check into Facebook. If you go to your social media, whatever platform you have, and just check in and say, I'm at Salem Fields Community Church. That always tells people out there that it's a great place to go on a Sunday morning. We welcome everyone that's online as well. And uh, we're so thankful for um, you here today. And if you're a first-time guest with us, we would love for you to stop out at the first-time guest desk and uh, get a little gift there. It's not a big deal, but it's a little something that says we're so thankful that you're here. We'd love for you to come back and check it out a couple of times to see if this would be a place that you could sense the presence of the Lord and worship with us. Also, there's a connection card in your program, and uh, you can communicate with us. Uh, about anything on that connection card keep your uh, information up to date there we would appreciate that and uh, you can give us prayer requests or just communicate in any way that uh, that you need to also we're going to take our tithes and offering in just a few moments we're so thankful for those of you that are faithful to give god the first of all of your income and it's amazing he's got a promise that he gives to us that says when we do that He'll take care of every need that we have. You never have to worry about money again. Who doesn't want that, right? When we put God first in our life, it's really true. Good morning. This is, I love when they walk in and I can call attention to them. I do this quite often. (laughs) See, that'll show you to show up late, right? (laughs) yeah i know i know. I, and when i do messages uh, like i'll have hidden messages for them and i don't know they're just my family that i pick on a lot it's because i love you <laughs> well next week we've got something really special and you guys are gonna love it it's gonna be a fun time watch this
1: all right so i feel like uh we didn't got close a little bit so i can be a little bit more honest with y'all uh, i'm going through some new stuff in my life um, Thank you. Um, I'm fat and I'm broke. Which means I need to join a gym, but I can't afford to. So what I have to do is walk around my neighborhood to get my exercise. So I need to talk to all you dog lovers. Stop walking your dogs with no leash. Because I'm scared. And I'm tired of you looking at me like something wrong with me when I'm trying to verbally protect myself. (laughs) Get your dog! Get your dog! You better get your dog!
0: (laughs) Bone Hampton will be here next week, and it just shows that we can have a good time in church. So this is not just for us. This is for us to invite our friends because a lot of people don't want to go to church and be at a boring place. But this is a way that we can say to people, you know what, we like to have a good time too. So please invite your friends, your family, your colleagues, people uh, that are all around you. And uh, we're hoping that we'll have a a really great time here next weekend. Well, I just want to say thank you to everyone that supported us and prayed for us on our London missions trip. I know, suffering for Jesus, right? We had to go to London, England, and we had an incredible time there. I took a team of eight and I asked them just to be very present and in the moment and watch for what God wanted uh, us to see. And uh, we traveled to a coffee shop. And uh, one to 2,000 people stream in and out of that coffee shop every, uh, every week. And it happens to be a Church of the Nazarene doing church in a very innovative and creative way. And uh, they've got all kinds of things going on in their, biz- in their uh, building there. And church is all through the week. It's really about connections and relationships and conversations. And boy, do we have some great, great conversations with the people there. They don't want to be evangelized, but they are open to talking about faith. A lot of people don't believe in God. A lot of people wonder about God. A lot of people uh, aren't interested but we had some conversations that showed that people really do enjoy having those kinds of conversations. And so we don't know as a team what God wants to do with us as a result of that, but I know that he's stirring our hearts and he's doing something. So be watching for that. And uh, we just had such a great time. God protected us protected us all the way. Everything went without a glitch and I'm so thankful to the team. Thank you for your support as well. We're going to continue to worship after those baskets go by. You can stand and sing.
1: let's grow
2: you one, each, just a different story, different perspective, God, from so many different walks of life, yet we are unified in these moments, by the name of Jesus, so we lift that name high, we praise you, Lord, I just pray that you would speak to us, that we would be open to whatever it is you want to do, and then through us this morning, we thank you for your grace, that leads us under repentance, that leads us to forgiveness. But most of all, God, you also don't want us to stay there. You want that grace to grow us, to transform us and renew us in your image, Jesus. God, we thank you for this time just in your presence, Lord. Our hearts are open. Speak. We love you and we praise you. In Jesus' name, amen.
3: Well, I want to say good morning uh, to all our Salem Fielders worshiping with us today here in person, and also all of you that are joining us online. It's great to be here today, and also, if you didn't know, today is the very last day of summer, so fall officially, unofficially, boo, we have the mix. It'll be 91 degrees tomorrow though for those of you that want to hold on to summer a little bit longer Um, And I if you're new with us welcome Um, I think you picked a great day to worship with us because um, Today I'm going to talk about something that many of us and many of us in this room and people sitting around us here in this room um, are facing right now and we're gonna kind of be real together this morning and it's something that many of us would be reluctant to admit or even to talk about. But it's come up in numerous conversations that I've had with, with folks that are a part of Salem Fields Community Church, as well as folks that are in the community and friends of mine and people that live in this area. Uh, but what also further kind of spermed this idea of what we're going to talk about was an article that um, I stumbled across on social media. Maybe it was you. You could have been the one that shared it with me. I don't know. But um, we're going to put that up on the screen here. anybody see this article at all? Anybody read this? a couple of folks? If you haven't, um, go ahead and you can feel like feel free to Google it at your leisure. But um, it's really, really interesting. There's a photographer that does exactly as the title mentions, removes our smartphones to show our strange and lonely new world. And it's a series of pictures, black and white photography, where the photographer removed the smartphone, so you just have people kind of staring at their hands awkwardly like this. And you have people sitting around dinner tables, you have married couples, you have people that are in the midst of even a crowd, and everybody's, like, l- looking awkwardly like this. It's, it's kind of uncanny, right? It points to just something that many of us get used to when we're bored or, as the article says, when we're lonely. Loneliness. And that's really what stood out to me. Uh, because loneliness, it kind of sounds absurd, doesn't it? That we have so many interactions and distractions kind of like at our literal fingertips and and of course we live in one of the most populated regions of the country too on the east coast here and if you don't believe me then I dare you to hit I-95 North at about 7-7.30 tomorrow morning and you will find out that we live in one of the most populated regions of the country but, but you think about that, um, you wonder, how could we ever be lonely in the midst of all these people? But I totally get it. And, and my guess is that you do, too. Because have you ever felt that way? Have you ever felt, whether you've been by yourself or whether you've been in the middle of a room full of people, that you felt lonely? But today, when I talk about loneliness, though, I just want to define a couple things. I'm not talking about wanting to be by yourself or intentional times of rest and solitude. There's some of us here in the room that that have small children, right? And you would just, I don't know what you would give to get like 10 minutes, 10 minutes by yourself. Maybe you do so by locking yourself in the restroom at times. I don't know how you deal with it. I'm not talking about that or even just those times of intentional solitude or, or rest. And I'm also not saying there's something wrong with you if you are an introvert. And to all the introverts in the room, God loves you too. Can I get an amen to that? Anyone? Any introverts? They're all quietly saying amen in their in their hearts. But, but what I am saying about loneliness, I'm defining it as this this sadness that we don't have the relationships in life that we wish we had. But, but of course, that is defined or that's felt in different ways by different people, right? So, so what does loneliness though, what does loneliness feel like to you? What does it feel like? It probably feels differently to everybody. Well, to me, <clears throat> loneliness feels like you want to go somewhere, but you don't know who to call. Or you have something to celebrate and you don't know who to celebrate with. Or you're in the middle of a group of people who really don't know the real you and don't really know what's really going on inside of you. And maybe they even don't care. See, loneliness is something that's not unique to just a small group of people. It exists everywhere. And if you don't believe me, then you can read one of probably thousands of articles that have been published about this topic that talk about all kinds of loneliness among different generations. For example, millennials. Millennials and the loneliness epidemic. It's the number one fear to said among millennials. And in the age group Generation Z, who's a decade below millennials, it's they're measured to be even more lonely. Then we have Folks that are just a little bit older, why is midlife such a lonely time? There have been articles written on this, people in their 40s, that's made that 42 million people in their 40s feel lonely. But then others say that loneliness and social connections have a survey of adults 45 and older, of loneliness. People that are 50 plus years are said to be very, very lonely. And then even more, we have older people, right? the elderly people 80 plus who are said to be one of the most lonely generations of our time and so drawing all this together you know what i think the research really indicates everybody's lonely we're all it's not just a generational thing it's not the millennials or the gen xers or the gen z or the whatever the other generations would be called the greatest generation everybody's lonely and social scientists and psychologists actually call it an epidemic in our society that at any given time, just about two-fifths, two out of every five people feels lonely. So even if you're not feeling especially lonely right now, if you're like, well, Pastor Chris, I feel fine, I'm not very lonely, look around you, because chances are two out of five people that are within just just sitting right around you at this time, they're feeling very lonely right now. But the thing is, they probably wouldn't tell you they do. And and so we all experience this at certain times. Certain even seasons in our life. Um, so I'm going to ask, who is single? If you would just raise your hand. If you're single, be proud of it. Okay, keep your hand up because you never know. Just look around. You might find a little sweetie. Sweetie among the bunch. Yeah, yeah. Can I get a what, what? Yeah. So, so, but, but truthfully, singles, if we would admit it, if we would just be real, there are times we feel lonely. We feel lonely. Now what about all the married people, right? You complete me. Who's married here? Raise your hand. Don't look around the room. Put your hand down very quickly. Okay? Married people, guess what? You feel lonely too. I know it because I talked to you. That marriage does not cure loneliness. It's not like you find that right person and boom, it takes away everything. That if we're honest with ourselves, whether we're married or single, whether we've been divorced, whether we've been widowed, that we all experience loneliness in our lives. And whether you're a Christian or not, or whether you're religious or not we all experience loneliness but there's a stigma often attached to it that we feel like we're being needy or if we say we're lonely that means that we're unpopular or we even think that there's something wrong with us and and chances are there's a whole group of people even in this room and even a part of this church and of course beyond this in our community and our neighbors that are experiencing loneliness right now but the good news is that you're not alone in your loneliness. You're not alone. And today, I want to talk about loneliness, but I also want to talk about what I believe is God's antidote or solution to loneliness. And that is authentic friendship. And I know there's some of us here, there's some of you here that are not quite sure about what you believe. You're not quite sure about what you believe about the Bible or about God. You're trying to put all these things together, and I want to be the first to let you know that we, you belong here, that Salem Fields is a place that you can figure that out and do so in a, in a safe environment, that we welcome you here. But regardless of what you actually believe about Scripture or about God or even the, the whole creation story that's in the beginning of the Bible, in the book of Genesis, I, I don't think it's ironic or it's by accident that in Scripture the very first problem encountered by humanity is in fact loneliness. And that tells us first that loneliness is not a sin it's not a sin it's not wrong to feel lonely but it's almost comical because it's right after God creates the very first human being that God notices that there's something not right and so today we're going to look at what is really the second creation story in the Bible in Genesis chapter 2 Genesis chapter 1 gives us a first version of the creation story and I invite you to read both, kind of compare, contrast them all. They're both a little bit different, but they point to the same God, a God of intention and creativity and order. And so we're going to start scripture today in Genesis 2, verses 4 through 8. And you can follow along on the screen. Also in your programs, there's some notes there that you can jot along with or just even follow along with the sermon. And, um, or open up your Bible or Bible app on your phone and follow along. So, so Genesis 2 says this, This is the account of the heavens and the earth when they were created. When the Lord God made the earth and the heavens, now no shrub had yet appeared on the earth and no plant had yet sprung up. For the Lord God had not sent rain on the earth and there was no one to work the ground. Hint, hint. But streams came up from the earth and watered the whole surface of the ground. Then the Lord God formed a human from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life. And the human became a living being. And now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east, in Eden, and there he put the human he had formed. So, so let's just pause there for a minute. What's what's really interesting, intriguing, is that the Hebrew word, which is the original language that the scripture was written in, the Hebrew word for human is ha'adam, ha'adam, from which we get the name, Adam, right, ha Adam, but but it's interesting because ha Adam actually refers to humanity as a whole, not necessarily male or female beings. Yet it's not until later in the story that the Hebrew words, they're actually totally different words, reflect the male and the female. So the first human that's created is really this this human being that is later, as we'll see in the scripture, later, literally split into two. The side is taken from this first human being to create male and female. Very interesting, huh? And so the writer then goes on to describe more of creation, of the garden and geography and rivers and, and it's described all through that, that part of the scripture. But then the scripture continues in Genesis 2, verses 15 through 18. The Lord God took the human and put him in the Garden of Eden to work it. And take care of it and the Lord God commanded the human you are free to eat from any tree in the garden but you must not eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil for when you eat from it you will certainly die and the Lord God said it is not good for the human to be alone it is not good for the human to be alone so so what happened here well the very first thing is that God creates you the human being and he puts the human being into the garden And immediately, God notices like that, that there is a problem. Which makes me ask the question, though, wouldn't God know the problem before he created the human? Think about that. And and honestly, I did some research on this. I don't have an answer to that question. It's just something a little extra for you to chew on. And I think that tells us, though, that Scripture sometimes gives us great answers, but it also poses to us some great questions. But the first problem that God encountered was loneliness. It is not good for the human to be alone. And we have to realize that that is a huge, that is a big statement of God. Because that lets us know that God notices. God knows. God cares. And maybe there's somebody here right now, today, that that's all that you need to hear. You don't need to hear even the rest of the sermon. You can even tune out, but you just need to know that there is a God who knows, who listens, and who cares, and that you are not alone. See, he's a God who knows what it's like to lose someone. He knows what it's like to walk through a wilderness. He knows what it's like not to be understood, and he knows and he cares. But let me first just guard against a couple of ways that we sometimes interpret this passage. See, this passage is not talking specifically about marriage here yet, just yet. See, even later in Scripture, in the New Testament, the Apostle Paul even says, if you can help it, don't get married. See, it's not saying, though, that this is the that marriage is, oh, that's the solution, that whole idea of, of people coming together. It, it, it could be a part of it, but that's not the full story. And it's also not saying that being alone, being by yourself is bad, or that solitude is bad, because later we see that Jesus, he has escaped from the crowds in order to be alone, just to take a deep breath in order to be with God. That's not a bad thing. What God is getting at here is that for human beings, it's not good for human beings to do life alone. That's the problem. It's not good for human beings, for us, to do life alone. So I want to ask you, when in life have you experienced the greatest loneliness? Think about the answer to that question. Was there a time in your life that you experienced Just really, really great loneliness. As I was thinking about this, I thought I would do some super scientific research, and so I went to Facebook and threw up a nice question over there to find some research. And um, this was a couple weeks back. Um, If you'd like to be included in further research, feel free to friend me, and you might be included, too. But it was amazing because I got, like... So many answers. I, like, you have to keep scrolling and scrolling and scrolling. And people would just pour out kind of story after story, some short, some long. And we have a picture of a couple of these responses. I blotted out their names. People gave me permission to post this. But sometimes people have walked away from, from God, and that was a time in their life when they felt especially lonely. Other times when they lost someone, a daughter, a mother, a father, a spouse, a divorce. Even years and years and years ago. Someone said even in the last 12 months, including right now. Lots, and lots of people related uh, their, their struggle with loneliness, honestly, to having children. Someone that said that when they became a stay-at-home mom, a sense of loneliness just entered into them. Other pe- things that you usually think, oh, they're fine, they should celebrate, but that was a very, very lonely time for them. See, for some of us, it's, we've experienced loneliness due to our disobedience, right? Our disobedience to God, that we went off and we did our own thing and found out that we were by ourselves. And, and others, it was due to, it's been due to circumstances. Some of us, we've moved to a new place and didn't know anybody, have any family, or started a new job, or there was a tragedy or a, a death of someone that we love. For, for others, though, that we experience loneliness due to our obedience, we knew that God was calling us to something and so we went in that direction and we felt lonely. Or we decided that when we were in college, remember sitting in our college in our room on a Saturday night and not going out to the parties, not going out to the the drinking and the craziness that was happening, we found ourselves feeling really really alone. Or maybe that's you even now. I don't know what that story is, but for me, I think of the first night that I spent when I uh, in my new basement apartment, when I moved from the eastern shore of Maryland, across the Chesapeake Bay into the city of Alexandria here in Virginia. And I didn't know anybody. I, moved, I quit my job to go to seminary, moved to the new area, started at a new church. And, um, and so the way that I would spend my Friday nights was, at least originally, was um, I would go to Target. I go to Target. Well, first, because on the Eastern Shore in the boonies, we didn't have a Target. And I was like, Target, yay, there's stuff, there's stuff. But also, there was people. There was people. And so I would go there and think, like, hey, maybe I'll, like, see some people, other people my age, and maybe just strike up a conversation and see what's going on. You know, I do not want to go out to the whole party scene, the craziness that that was going on. But I just remember feeling really, really lonely in the midst of that. I asked a friend of mine that same question, and he went and talked to his wife about that time that they experienced the greatest loneliness, and she asked him if it was okay to be completely honest, and he said, sure. And she said, it was our first year of marriage. And he looked at her, and he said, just, she said, yes, to you. And um, he was like, wow, that's awesome, right? Makes you feel really, really good. She said, well, it was just that, that new life together, and I really didn't know who to talk to, who not to, and they had moved at the time in a new place and trying to figure things out. We experience loneliness in different places and different times. And if you do a Google search, you also find, though, that scientifically, loneliness has very negative impact on us for a prolonged time. It's the top reason for reason why people leave a church. It's the top reason why people leave a job. It's the top reason why people will move from a place. And it's proven that people who do life alone get sick more and die faster than those who don't. But how do we usually deal with that feeling of loneliness? In the meantime, most of us, don't we try to mask it? Don't we kind of create white noise? There's some folks that, that sleep with one of those like sound machines, those noise machines. I don't know. Anybody here do that? That white noise rounds out if your, your spouse is um, snoring or the sounds outside or just you, you find that very very soothing. But, but we create white noise when we're feeling lonely, don't we? What, what's your go-to, you know? Is it the ice cream? Is it the scrolling on your phone? Um, I think Netflix was partially invented for the reason of loneliness, right? You can just go to it and watch episode after episode. Um, I, I think it's partially the reason why 65% of us watch two screens at the same time. I have to say I'm one of them. Sometimes I'm on my phone watching TV and then I have a third screen on my computer there too. So I'm a third, third screener. But, but when you're lonely, that's what you do to distract yourself. But others of us, we resort to some even more harmful behaviors. You know, pornography, relationship after relationship. People do very stupid things to get attention when they're feeling lonely, regardless of what the cause of that loneliness is. See, it's not loneliness itself that's the problem. It's what we do with our loneliness that leads to problems. Think about this. How many of you know someone who has regrets because of something they did to avoid loneliness? How many of you know someone who has stayed with a toxic boyfriend or a girlfriend or even a group of friends for way too long to try to avoid loneliness? Do you know somebody that's put up with abuse because they were afraid of being lonely? A lot of the things we do that we're not proud of come out of the underbelly of loneliness. Because the consequences are when we're lonely, we feel like we have nobody that we need to respond to, we can do whatever we want. that may kind of make sense, the way that our culture frames that, that rugged individualism, that there's a shame for asking for help, or there's a guilt that's associated with admitting that we're struggling, or that we need to share our feelings, that there's a sign of weakness by telling somebody, hey, I'm feeling kind of lonely right now. Do you want to hang out? Do you want to get together? As um, the famous philosopher um, Jim Carrey once said in the very, very dated movie, Ace Ventura Pet Detective, remember that? He once said, loneliness means that you're wearing the loser T-shirt, right? Especially if you admit it to others around you. See, often we live in life in a way that betrays our very real need. We try to cover it up. But loneliness is really that deep cry inside of us that insists we need something, that we are missing something. It's hardwired in us. It's kind of like what I think of as as a check engine light on... our our personal dashboard in life. Um, You all know what a check engine light is. Uh, Just this past week, I was uh, driving to to preach at a church last weekend um, in North Carolina and I'm driving along somewhere in the boonies on I-40. I don't know if you've ever been there somewhere down in North Carolina and um, my little light went on for my tire pressure and I looked at it and I'm like, oh Lord, I began praying because I had no idea where I was. My phone had no signal and I'm like, I need to get some help here and and maybe you've had a certain circumstance that that has happened. It's, it's very easy that what, a couple of things that you could do, you could get some elect- black electrical tape, right? And you could just take that and put that over the little light and it won't, it'll stop being there. You know, you won't have to look at it anymore. And you could just drive your very merry way. But I knew that wasn't the solution because the light points to something wrong that's going wrong inside the car. It's a sign. It's pointing to something else, something deeper that needs to be fixed, that needs your attention. And I think that's what loneliness is. Loneliness is that check engine light where God is saying, this isn't good. But we see in Scripture that when God identifies that problem, though, God identifies a problem, he always provides a solution. And that solution that he gives us is relationship. is relationship. Because the very first realization we make when we read Scripture is that you are not alone, that God is with you. And that's the overarching theme of the Bible as a whole, that you're not alone. And we see that in the creation story through the exodus through the wilderness when God does not abandon his people. And then we see the coming of of Jesus, which we celebrate at Christmas time by singing, O come, O come, Emmanuel, which means God with us, God with us. That's the theme of Scripture. That God is, is the one who is with us. And God identifies a problem. He provides that solution and dwells among us. That loneliness can be our opportunity to experience extreme intimacy with our Heavenly Father. But God also knows that we need a physical reminder of this in our life too. That it's not enough for it just to be you and Jesus. That you can say, okay, well, it's just me and Jesus, me and Jesus. Because in verse 18, God says, I will make a helper that is perfect for him. See, God does something about it. And so we continue in verse 19. And now the Lord God had formed out of the ground all the wild animals and birds in the sky. He brought them to the man to see what he would name them. And whatever the man, the human, called each living creature, that was its name. And so the man gave names to all the livestock, the birds in the sky, and the wild animals. For the human, no suitable helper Was found. So, what's the first thing God does to try to solve this problem? He says, "I'll make a helper that's perfect for him." He gives us pets, right? Did you know that pets are in the Bible? Isn't that fantastic, right? We have the dog people, the cat people. We have—I like the guinea pigs. Which, by the way, side note: um, if you go to PetSmart, they actually have guinea pig costumes. If you're having a really bad day, just Google that online, and you'll—you'll. smile in no time. But but he gave us pets, right? Um, it's amazing. It's kind of the, this idea of companionship, and we find companionship in our pets, right? It's an unconditional love. Who's pro- sometimes the only one that's happy to see you at the end of the day when you get home? You know, you have the, the smiling dog that just runs on up to you, or the cat that just sits in your lap. You know, it's just a, an amazing, amazing thing. I have a friend that when she got married, um, she decided to uh, go, she and her husband decided to go along the kind of biblical progression of things to, before they had children. And she says, well, what we're going to do is we're going to get a plant first. And if we can keep the plant alive, then we are going to get a fish. And if we can keep the fish alive, then we are going to get a dog. And if we can keep the dog alive, then we will start trying to have children. And she says that was a success. Maybe you can try that if you're getting married in a couple weeks or in the future. But um, but this idea of pets, right? That they shower us with an unconditional love. But the thing is, they're not a true solution to loneliness. The scripture says, "But for the human, no suitable helper was found." They don't solve that real thing that we're missing. See, after somebody wrongs you or breaks up with you or stabs you in the back, isn't it common to say, isn't it easy to say, well, I can just have my puppy, right? Fido is all I need. I can just have my cats, and that's good. It can be really alluring. And maybe there's, I don't know, maybe I'm crazy, but maybe there's somebody that needs to hear this today, that you've replaced people with pets. You're still missing something big in life. That's what God's pointing to here. And so what does God do? Well, the story continues in verse 21. So the Lord God caused the human to fall into a deep sleep. And while he was sleeping, he took one of the man's ribs, the, the Hebrew points to really taking his side, and then closed up the other place with flesh. And the Lord God made a woman from that side, from the rib he had taken out of the man, and he brought her to the man. See, God shows us that the solution is, it's good to have friends. See, it's not good for humans to be alone, to do life alone, but it is good to have friends. God creates another human being because he knows and he's designed us to be better together. That's God's intention before the fall. And, and a lot of people misunderstand this just as pertaining to marriage, but it goes beyond that because the basic premise is that God didn't create us to do life alone. And did you know in Scripture, friendship is actually mentioned more than marriage? See, all over the place. We read places like Ecclesiastes 4.12, which says, Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. Proverbs 27.17 is one of my favorite Scriptures. It's Iron sharpens iron, so one person sharpens another. And this is just a little secret, a little tidbit for you. But as pastors, when we officiate weddings um, for people... Most of the time, the scriptures that we use are not specifically about marriage. A lot of times, they're about love and about friendship. The book of Ruth gives an example of scripture, wherever you go, I'll go. Wherever you stay, I will stay. Um, And it's a lovely scripture to tie people together. It's actually, in the book of Ruth, it's between a daughter-in-law and her mother-in-law. So, you know, think about that connection. It's a little bit different and, and the thing is, in Scripture, friendship is consistently modeled. In Jesus' own life, Jesus was not married, but he surrounded himself with close friends, even among crowds. And he says this in John fifteen fifteen: I no longer call you servants, he says this to his disciples, because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my Father, I've made known to you. And as I was researching friendship, kind of the state of friendship in Jesus' time, I found this, rec- this book, this source, where the author said something interesting about friendship. He said that friendship was the most revered relationship you could ever have in the ancient world. It was almost considered to be mystical. You want to know why? Well, it's the only relationship that was, not, that was achieved and not ascribed. It was chosen, not just given to people in the ancient world. That family, neighbors, even your spouse, they they all happened by chance, or they were chosen for you. You know, even marriage at that time. That friendship was something that was chosen. That you weren't made to have friends, but in order to have them, you had to put forth effort for them. And I think the same thing is true today, because friendship is not just a life thing, but it's a holy thing. And while when you Google loneliness, you see all these negative consequences and potential problems, when you Google friendship, you see it's the indicator of all positive benefits. It's the best predictor, did you know, of sticking it out in a job. You know what that's like when you stuck it out in that job, even though you didn't like the work, but you liked the people, right? That matters. It's the best predictor of sticking it out in a church or living in a place or living a happy and enjoyable life is connected to the number Of quality friendships that you have and this is really interesting in the New England Journal of Medicine they found something about this is about um, about being healthy they found something surprising if your spouse or your adult sibling gained weight you had a 40% higher chance of gaining weight too but believe this if your friend gained weight your chances of gaining weight jumped to 60% so in other words, if your bestie suddenly announces that every night is ice cream night, you might want to have a little bit of a talk with them. <laughs> but, but but my point is this. Think about this. We all have something that we want to become. You want to become a better student or a more patient parent, a more faithful Christian? What if the decision to become something is really a decision to become friends with someone? Because you and I we might be one friend away from becoming a better spouse or a better parent or a stronger Christian, or we also might become be one friend away from becoming a worse one. Because here's the thing about friendships, they're beautiful and they're holy, but they also take this thing called work. They don't just happen. That when we look at scripture, we see the story of the early church in Acts two, when Jesus has ascended to heaven and told his disciples, tag, you're it. Right, You are going to spread my good news. It's your turn to, to show this to the world. Acts 2 says this. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, the breaking of bread, and to prayer. Everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All the believers were together and had everything in common. They sold property, possessions, to give to anyone who had need. And get this, daily, daily, they continued to meet together in the temple courts. They broke bread in their homes, they ate together with glad and sincere hearts, praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily, once again, those who were being saved. You know what's exciting, what's intimidating about this scripture? You didn't get my hint, it's the word daily, repeated twice, daily. It's hard to see your kids daily, isn't it? It's hard to see one good friend daily or talk to a friend daily, but here that's what they do because one of the foundations of authentic friendship is a simple thing called time it's being intentional and frequent about your time and and it's true as the older we get isn't it harder and harder to make friends especially when you move to a new place or a new circumstance in life you know you put a three-year-old in a sandbox and there's another kid there, and like two and a half minutes, they're like buddies, right? It doesn't work that way when you're 35, 45, 65, whatever. You know, life changes, and seasons of life change. But what you can do, there is one common theme, and that is time. It doesn't mean that we recreate the past and we live like we're 18 again, but that we're intentional about time that we spend with people, and that we really spend time, and we take a risk and be awkward and say to that that coworker, that person that you just met. Maybe it's somebody that's been sitting in front of you here in church for a while. Maybe it's having that awkward conversation saying, "Hey, you know what? Do you want to grab coffee sometime?" you know, or "Hey, my my spouse and I like do you want to come over for dinner?" like or go out for pizza or let, 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 let's just get together. You know, you don't know the impact that that can have on someone. Taking a risk and doing that, putting yourself out there because surprisingly, you might be surprised by this. But chances are, that person or the, that couple or that group of people, you probably have two out of five of them that are feeling lonely right now, and they're just waiting for that opportunity to connect. You know, that, we, we can't just show up an hour a week, even at church, and say, and shrug our shoulders and say, well, I don't have any friends at that church. Because we see the early Christians, what did they do? They gathered in the temple. They ate in homes. They shared meals. They hung out. That's how you develop authentic relationships, frequently and intentionally taking the time. That we feed the fire that way, that we don't rely on the embers from long ago, that we need to feed the fire again and give God the time and the space to work in our midst. Because it's too, too important not to do. Because you know why godly friendship is so, so important? Well, i want to draw this together today taking us on a very short excursion on an african safari and um, we're going to show a a video clip that i think illustrates this whole concept but also the power of what it means when we are better together and so i'm going to be your narrator today as we show this video so so that's you you're standing there you are a water buffalo believe it or not and there is a lion he's prowling around scripture says like a Lion are the enemy of our souls, and we each have the lion look different for each of us. But he's ready to attack, and before you know it, there's a second one. And you're there by yourself. You think you can handle it. You say, oh yeah, I'm good. I can fight him off. I can do this by myself. I'm good. I'm fine. But then you notice that they're not giving up. And the lion attacks again and again, and most often when you are by yourself. And you try again and again to put the lions in their place, but you're starting to have doubts. And you wonder, is this ever going to end? You're beginning to feel weak and depressed and anxious. You're wondering, is, am I going to be able to survive this because I'm tired? And before you know it, the lion grabs hold of you and drags you down. And and the other one comes up and gets you at your weakest point too. And you're struggling, you're falling. You think that this is the end. There's no hope. There's nothing up ahead. But lo and behold, your friends show up. And the friends, the community is here for you and they tell the lions, "Get off of her. She is one of ours. She is mine. He is mine. Get away, lion." Get away. You're the enemy and you will not attack him. You will not go after him anymore because he is one of ours and we are here to guard against you. That we are strong and we are going to put you in your place. That's the power of friendship, folks. Because some of us here, we're trying to be by ourselves. We're trying to do things by ourselves. But I can guarantee you that there is an enemy And he is real, and he will come at you and attack you. But it takes a community. It takes a group of people traveling together to fend off that line. And psychologists actually say loneliness is a warning that we've traveled outside the herd and outside the community that we were created to be in. See, the Genesis story continues, and the man and the woman, they make a decision to disobey God, which introduces the greatest loneliness that there is being cut off from God, being estranged from God. And not only that, but they're cut off from communion with one another. And that's that struggle with sin, struggle with, with people. And that's us, because we're all messed up. But the good news is that later in the story, the Apostle Paul comes in and says and introduces this idea that there is a second Adam, a second Adam who makes right the sins of the first Adam, and all of humanity. And his name, the second Adam, is Jesus. And he makes it possible to be restored to God because he gives himself up on a cross. And he gives us and promises us that restoration, all who ask in his name. And you know what's even cooler? Jesus has a figurative Eve, an Eve who descends from his very body. And you know what her name is? The church. The body of Christ. The body of Christ that is called to embody Christ to the world. See, those of us that that are here, the the body of Christ is meant to be that community of of friends, of relationships, that we have each other's backs when the lion is ready to attack you. You know that there's someone there when you cannot hold yourself up. And so today, if you're feeling a little lonely, for a variety of reasons. I wanna let you know, first of all, that you are in the right place. And second of all, and probably most importantly, your heavenly Father not only knows that and cares, but he is fully present with you where you are. But being alone is not the solution to your loneliness. We're better together. We're better together. And so if all this is true, then what is the state of your friendships is there someone in your life that has a lion hanging off them because they're trying to do life by themselves? And you need to step in rather than step out. You need to run towards them instead of run away. Imagine if your life has a bo- had a board of directors, six seats around a table, people that will walk with you through life, people that you could choose who are not family. Could you fill those seats? If not, what are you going to do about it? Maybe there's some work that's needed, some intentional time. Maybe there's a relationship right now that you know and you're sitting here, a relationship that needs repair or renewal. Or maybe you have some relationships that honestly, they just need to be replaced. A famous pastor, Andy Stanley in Georgia, once said this, if you give and give and give and they take and take and take, then you need to run and run and run. But that's true. Maybe you need to be the one that takes the risk, that asks somebody a question, that steps forth for the invitation and see what God does. And so I invite you to stand together and we're going to continue in worship. And if the Lord is speaking to your heart right now, if there's a lion that you see in someone's life, that today might be that day that you say, this week, I'm going to take a risk and a step of faith and I'm going to run towards that lion in that person's life. I'm going to run towards that person. I'm not going to run away. That there is someone in your life right now that needs a friend, that needs you, because the church is here to embody Christ, the hope, the love, the friendship that Christ has offered us. That if you you will lift that person in prayer today, you'll let God know that that you love him and that you treasure him and that you will say yes to his call. That's an amazing thing. And so let's continue to worship together.
1: another in the fire Sweet.
3: Father, we thank you so much for the way that you never leave us alone Lord how that that even in our stories that before we even knew you you were pursuing us it's an amazing thing to know that regardless of where we find ourselves we are not alone and yet there are times that we still feel lonely and and I want to ask today, um, just with with everyone's eyes closed, please, if if you're feeling lonely right now and you can just say, Pastor Chris, if you can just pray for me, I'm just in a lonely place. If you would just raise your hand, that way I can do that. Just be real. Yeah, thank you. Just being real and honest. Yep. And and God sees you. God knows. God cares. That and 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 we can let you know that you are not alone in your loneliness. And that there's there's some of us here too that that. Have have someone in our lives that needs reaching out to, a relationship to be restored, or someone that's just been on our heart or mind and we've just been hesitant to, to say something to or even invite over. Lord, that you would give us the courage to stand out, to take that risk, and, and, and just give to you, to offer to you to say, God, I just want you to do something here. If I can be an instrument that you can use, then use me. And if that's you today, if you say, I am willing to be a friend to someone who's lost or lonely or just hurting at this time or just in need of someone in their life, if you would just raise your hand, this is a commitment to that, to say, I want to be a friend to somebody. Thank thank you. Thank you. Because it's an amazing thing to see what God can do in our midst. And yet the, the most important relationship that we can have is that relationship with Jesus, that he offers to us freely. We don't have to do enough good things to earn it because he gives it to us by his grace we just have to receive it and if there's someone here today who has never done that who has never said jesus i want you to come into my life i want you to be my lord and savior i'm tired of doing my own thing i'm try- tired of being alone that i want you to empower me i want you to be the King and Lord of my life. If, if there's someone here today or worshiping with us online who, you've never done that before, if you would just quickly raise your hand, if you would raise your hand and to say, Jesus, I want you, I see you. I see you, God sees you, amen, amen. It's an amazing thing to, to say, Jesus, I, I turn away from my past and I turn towards you and I make me a new creation, that in his word he says that he will make us new. And that when we walk with him, we follow the the path of light, the narrow path, and that he will guide us all the way. And if that's you, then uh, we'll have a pastor that's outside at a table where you can visit and we can just explain to you a couple of next steps. What a celebration that is to accept Jesus into our lives and our hearts and have him as our Savior. And for all of us gathered here today, that we can continue to be lights in the midst of darkness. That we, instead of doing our own thing, we can fend off someone else's lion when they are under attack. That we would have the boldness and courage to step out in faith, to serve the Lord in every capacity, to share his light and hope all around us, everywhere. Lord, we thank you in this day and we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, thank you all for joining us today. Make sure you join us next week. Don't miss it. Bonehampton live here. Invite a friend. And before you leave, turn around and say hi to neighbors. Greet them and share with them the love of Christ. We'll see you next week.